Welcome. You are listening to a sermon presented at the First Church of Christ in Elkins, West Virginia. This message is given by pastor and teacher Jason Brandon. Jason will be selecting passages from the Word of God and showing us how to apply God's Word in our lives today. He will also be showing us why we need Jesus. How can faith, God, and the Bible have more influence in your daily life? What is God saying to us today? For this and more, stay tuned. What is the most important piece of Christianity? It would be Christ, would it not? Take it away and take away Jesus and we have nothing. Without, you know, with, without Jesus, Paul says, we are the most miserable of, of souls. And we, look, we looked last week at, at what Peter said about how important Jesus is. He is our foundation. He, he is our cornerstone. He is also our capstone. He is our crowning achievement. He is, he is what holds us together. He is everything. So, we move on this week. What is the second most important thing about our faith? And the answer is, y- you are. Now, don't let that go to your head, but the church is the next most important thing about our, our faith. Christ Jesus died for us. That makes us pretty important. Not, in, in a world that says that you don't matter, God says you, you matter. You, it, it matters who you are. You matter to God. Doesn't, even if the world hates you or doesn't notice that you exist, God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. Uh, now, this is not based on your image. It's not based on how much you know. It's not based upon how much you make. It's not based upon how influential you are. It is based on his image. He made us. He made us in his image. In the image of God, that's a big deal. Uh, James, James tells us that we are made in the image of God, not, not we're made. I appreciate that James makes sure to put that in the, in the present tense. You are made in the image of God. Um, there are, there are people out there that are, that are maybe a little too much into the environment and not enough into humanity that say that, that humanity is a, is a plague upon nature, that we are insignificant, and that nature is more important than, than people are. But Genesis says, God says in Genesis, that we were put in charge of nature. Uh, and, and while nature is good, mankind is very good. So it's no surprise then that Peter began chapter 2 talking about the supremacy of Christ, and then he moves into us and our relationship with, with God through Jesus and, and different imagery. So First Peter chapter 2 and, and reading, starting with verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, 
they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Um, think, think back to, okay, so the imagery that Peter uses, Israel was God's holy nation. Now, some, something needs to be said. James and I were talking about this in Sunday school. Um, Israel Was Israel better than anybody else? No, but they were special. And, and, and the example, I, I knew a girl in high school who had one of those photographic memories. I mean, she could read a novel. Man, she could read quick, too. She could read a novel, and you could then say when she was done, what's the first word on page 75? And she could tell you. I mean, she just had one of those minds that just pictured. I, I just, I've never seen that before or since, but she could do that. Um, does that make her special? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Does that make her better than me? Absolutely not. Israel was God's special people. That doesn't mean that they were better than anybody else, but they were absolutely special in the scope of history. Um, God says, you are now, the church, you are now my chosen people. You are now my special people. That doesn't make us, let's be very clear, it doesn't make us better than anybody else. And the church gets in trouble when it gets this this arrogant, smug superiority that looks down on the rest of the world. Uh, That's when people really dislike the church, understandably so. We are not better than anybody else. But God has chosen the church. Chosen us for a purpose, and we'll get into that. That imagery of, of Israel is chosen, and within Israel, the Levites were chosen to be God's priests. Let's look back at, at Exodus chapter 32. I want to look at that choosing of the Levites. Exodus chapter 32, verse 25. Moses saw that the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control and so become a laughing stock to their enemies. And so he stood at the entrance of the camp, and he said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And the Levites rallied to him. That's one of the twelve tribes of Israel. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each man strap a sword to his side, go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor, The Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day about 3,000 of the people died. And then Moses said, You have been set apart to the Lord today, for you were against your own sons and brothers, and he has blessed you this day. Now, let me me explain a little of the context, and then we can talk about just how harsh that passage is. It is harsh. Um, This was when Moses is up on the mountain, getting from God the Ten Commandments. This is how the people of Israel are to live. And meanwhile, the Israelites were worshiping a golden calf, and engaged in all kinds of pagan, unholy practice, the very thing God called them out of. It's not like Moses was gone for years, uh, and, and, and they kind of forgot. I mean, Moses was gone for, for we could just count it in days. Um, and, and we look at that and say, wow, this, this is why God picked the Levites, because they killed people? No, that's not why. When given the chance to choose between following God were following their fellow countrymen who had slipped into paganism uh, and had abandoned God, they chose to follow God. And, and that speaks to us for what God calls us. Anytime, anytime we prioritize anything else instead of God, we're wrong. That doesn't mean it's the death penalty for us today. 
But we have to put God first above family, above friends, above nation, above, above everything. God is first if we are his people. That's the call. We won't, I, don't, I don't foresee being put into a situation remotely the way that the Levites were. Um, but, but that level of, of following God wholeheartedly. Um, and, and we see that. We see that throughout the Bible. See, Abraham, God says, Abraham, if you really want to follow me, Take your son Isaac, your only son Isaac, and take him up on top of a mountain and sacrifice him to me. Now, Abraham didn't have to go through with it, but we all know that he thought he was going to have to. He brought Isaac up the mountain, and he laid him out as a sacrifice and even raised the knife. He, As far as Abraham was concerned, it was a done deal. In the book of Ezra, we read that the Israelites got in trouble because, similar to what we read in Exodus, they had accepted too much paganism, like King David, like the Israelites in Exodus, like happens again and again. They had, they had invited paganism in, and specifically in Ezra we read that they had, they had married outside of Israel. They had, they had got foreign wives and allowed their wives and husbands, it's not just the guys marrying the women, allowed their spouses to bring in their foreign gods. And Ezra says, you got to get rid of those spouses. Now, God hates divorce. We read that. But, but in this case, the, the spouses came with paganism, and, that, and that's, that's so bad that God said, get rid, of those, get rid of those foreign wives because it's me or your spouse. I mean, if, you, if you're having to choose between me and your spouse, and you're choosing the spouse, you're not mine. It's harsh, but it's what holiness requires. Lot, lots of wife, you know. What did she do? She's leaving her home. She's running away. She looked back. What's the big deal? She looked back with longing. She looked back and said, boy, I'm going to miss that place. But she needed to look ahead to God. She needed to say, I'm going with God, and that's all that matters. And the looking back with longing is why she was punished. God flooded an entire world, didn't he? Holiness matters. Being set apart to God means being set apart to God completely, not not when we feel like it, not on Sunday mornings, not, not only in our heads, not in our actions. Being holy and set apart to God is a complete calling, or, or we don't do it. It's all or nothing. Peter hits this imagery. He talks about who we are and why this matters, why we are set apart to him. He talks about in Second Peter, or First Peter, First Peter chapter 2, who we are called to be. Um, there's a guy in Florida uh, named Eugene Jordan, and Eugene Jordan is the least wanted man in the U.S., is the way he has been described, because he shares a name and a birthday with, uh, at one time with an escaped felon. Um, and the judges got tired of seeing this guy because people would keep arresting him because he had the right name and he had the right birthday, but it wasn't the same guy. Uh, and they started putting up posters uh, in, in post offices of, with his picture. Please don't arrest this man. Um, identity theft is, 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 a, is, a, is a big deal these days. And, and getting confused on names uh, is a thing. I, I, had, uh, I had some medical work done, some allergy testing back when I lived in Urbana and discovered at that time uh, that there was a, another Jason Brandon born in 1974, that lived in my community. Uh, and when I would call the hospital and they would say, which one are you? I couldn't even say I'm the one born in 1974 because there was another one. Um, 
And, and so that, that, became a, uh, that, that became a concern, and, and, and it was kind of funny. And I never talked with that one, but, the, but I started to get increasing phone calls from his friends who would find his phone number or try to find his phone number and look it up and call me, and I got to know a lot of his friends. He seems like, based on his friends, he seemed like a really nice guy. And I told all of his friends, tell him I said hi. Um, never, never talked with him. He was a vet. He, he Bless him for serving in our military. Um, number of years later, some friends of mine came and congratulated me on my recent book that got published. Let me be clear. I have not written any books about zombies. Some friends of mine and I just recently finished working on a book that has not been, that has not been published yet. It's, it's, uh, it's coming out. But, but I did this other guy named Jason Brandon has lots of books on Amazon, mostly about zombies. I didn't write any of them. But the number of people that came and said congratulations on this was kind of spooky for a while. And then I got thinking, well, now I can't publish a book under my name. Because somebody else already did it. I can't, I can't be Jason Brandon and publish books. They'll confuse me with this guy. Um, I, our identity matters. In a world of identity theft and false IDs, we see this. Um, who we are in Christ is much more important than our social security number, our driver's license number, our bank account numbers. Peter says we are chosen. Now, let's talk about how important that is. He chose us. Just, just that simple sentence should make all the difference. Um, so I, I, I'm a huge fan of, of the Christian artist Rich Mullins. And um, Rich Mullins <laughs> said once, he said, you know, I, I, I was the morose kid that walked around writing depressive poetry all the time, and, and people would say, cheer up, God's love you. God loves you, and he chose you, and he said... That just, he said, that just means God has poor taste. Um, he said, I grew up and came to realize I would be lost if God didn't have poor taste, if he chose like people choose. Um, God does love us uh, and praise God that he doesn't judge us the way that the world judges us. God loves you. Aren't we glad that he doesn't love us based upon what we've done, whether or not we deserve it? He loves us because he is loving. That doesn't diminish our value. In fact, if anything... It should increase our value because the only one in the universe that matters, I mean really matters, knows you inside out, still says you're lovable. He chose us. I had a friend of mine that got married to a a girl who had been previously married and had four kids. And I remember that what he said was he said, this woman has survived just fine on her own as a single mother with four kids. She doesn't need me. He said, that's great. means she's marrying me because she wants me not because she needs me. That's a powerful statement, isn't that? We don't want to be needed. We want to be wanted. The church doesn't need you. I'm going to be careful in that because the church, the church needs volunteers, but it doesn't need you. And God will provide volunteers in the church. There are lots of things that, that need to be done. Um, but we don't need you because I know that God will raise up people to get things done. But I will say that God wants you. And we want you. We do. We want you to be involved. We want you to help us keep this church going, to do things. We, 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 do, we don't. I feel that this church would be just fine without me. I don't think you guys keep me around because you need me. You got by fine before I got here. When I go on vacation, you're good. You don't need me. That's great. <laughs> it means you're keeping me around because you want me, I think. And, and that's a good feeling to have. We're not indispensable. 
And that's good. We're chosen not because we're needed. We're chosen because we're wanted. Um, We don't deserve it. We're loved. Always remember that you're chosen and loved. That should give you a better day. Peter says, we're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Royal priesthood. Not just priests, but we throw in that royalty, that nobility. Um, We are joint heirs under the king of the universe. Um, The king of the universe says, not you're my subjects, you're my kids. He has set you aside. So what do priests do? Priests help people meet God. In the Old Testament, the purpose of the priest was that people couldn't approach the throne of God whenever they wanted to. The priest was the middleman. That was how the people interacted with God. We don't have priests priests anymore because that's Jesus' function. He did that job once and for all, the book of Hebrews says. But we, as priests, we as priests are given the task of helping the rest of the world come to God. That's our task. Um, We present people not just to God, but to our Father. That's a double function. We represent God and our Father to the world to bring people to him. What what an amazing task. What What an incredible task that God allows us and trusts us with that task. You're going to say, I'm not worthy to do that. You're right. I'm not either. I definitely am not. I don't have all the good words. I don't have all the answers. And yet he still trusts us to do that job. And, and that's a joy, not, not, not a stress, that God gives us his spirit and says, I'll, I'll take care of it. We are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, a sanctified nation, a set-apart nation. Holy means to be set apart and to be different the biggest country in the world is the church. There are all sorts of countries around the world with populations. There's somewhere rounding off. There's about 200 countries in the world. But pick the country with the biggest population. I assume it's China, but I could be wrong. Uh, there are more Christians than, than the biggest country. And find like the oldest countries on earth. But the church has been around for 2,000 years. And, and isn't facing a collapse, isn't facing a, a, a coup from within, isn't facing insurrection. Uh, we, the world doesn't like us that much. Some, some people do, but by and large, there are a lot of people out there that really don't like the church. They don't like what God wants. They, the, the church is under attack because Satan is the prince of this world. Uh, we are seen as the bad guys. And, and some people leave the church for this. Uh, that, that was happening back then. Paul's companion Demas left the service of God because he valued the world over, over the rest of, uh, over, over God's people. We, we can be seduced away from God's side. Now the Babylonians had this really good strategy. The Babylonian strategy was we will capture people and then we will, we, we will entice them. We will, we will deport them back to Babylon, and we will give them houses, and we will give them nice things. The only thing that we will insist on is that none of them are neighbors with each other. We will spread them out. We will take all these, all these Israelites. We will take all these other nations, pick any other nation that they, that they invaded, and we will just spread them out. And within one generation, 
because their neighbors aren't Israelites. Their neighbors are all these other nations. They have no identity other than being Babylonian. We are spread throughout. We don't all live together. We're not all neighbors. We are spread throughout and, and, and surrounded by the world the way that Israel was when they were deported to Babylon. And it's easy then. I mean, the Babylonian strategy worked, by and large. It didn't entirely work on Israel. It worked on a lot of the Israelites. An enormous amount of people were, were deported to Babylon. Under Ezra, very, a few of them went back to Israel, but it was, a, it, was a, it was a remnant. It was a tiny amount. A lot of people, a lot of the Israelites, their children lost their identity as Israelites. Babylon was the only world that they knew. It's very easy as a Christian to lose our identity in Christ. To be seduced by the world, we're living among the world, uh, we're surrounded by the world. This world is not our home, but it feels like it. And it's very easy to lose our focus and to lose sight of who we are really loyal to, but we are his holy nation. We have to be careful. When we invest in the world, we lose our focus on the next. We might make it hard to leave this world, but none of us are staying here. We are holy nation. We are a people belonging to God. We are his. King James says that we are a peculiar people. Some translations say that we are a purchased people. Um, You were purchased. God, God didn't just choose you. He chose you to be his. You belong to him. You should belong to him. That's, that's the point. If we're Christians, we, should, we, we belong to him. I, I think too often we try to reclaim ownership of our life. I think too often we do try to do the I'm a little bit God's and I'm a little bit mine. You know, Sunday morning I'll give to God. Rest of the week I'll do my thing. Uh, um, and, and that's okay. It, it, it's a timeshare. God and I split it. Some people, some people God gets 10%. Some people God gets 51%. Some uh, what, whatever the number, but God gets 100%. We're his. We act like we're ours. We like to call our own shots, but to be his is that God is always in charge. Um, and, and when that's out of balance, uh, a friend of mine said the other day, the problem with the reason our world is, is so messed up, and what a, what a true statement this is, um, nobody can look long-term anymore. The reason sin is so prevalent is that everybody's just thinking in the moment. You know, uh, we, we know that there are so many dangerous things out there. Physically dangerous, mentally, psychologically dangerous, just spiritually dangerous. And, and we do them anyway because we're not thinking long term. Um, drugs, abuse of alcohol, uh, these are things that destroy our body, but in the short term we like them, and, 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 and so we do these things because we don't, we don't care about tomorrow. We just want to feel good now. The danger is when Christians do not, and I'm not just talking physical stuff, we have a long-term goal, and that long-term goal is to go to heaven with God and live with him for eternity. And when we're distracted by that, and the world loves to distract us by that because that's Satan's strategy, when we quit looking at our long-term goal and we only see what's in front of us, we don't do any better planning than the rest of the world does. We are called to keep our eyes on God and, and to be holy and to be his all the time. Uh, that's, that's who we are called to be. Now, that's part one, the other half. If this is who we are called to be, why are we called to be this? Why, why, why does God... 
Why does God want us to be these things? These are pretty impressive. Why has God called us to these wonderful identities? God has his purposes. And Peter speaks about these. What is, what's our job as Christians? It's not. There's a couple of words I like. Orthodoxy is having the right beliefs. Orthopraxy is having the right practices. There is a danger in the world when you have one without the other. Right beliefs without right practices is the very book of James. James says it does no good to tell people, stay warm, be well fed, and then you go home and you don't care if they're homeless. And we get that. We, we, we get that the danger is believing something and not acting on it. But the alternative is equally wrong, which is actions without belief. Because at that point then, yeah, it's good to feed the hungry, but Jesus didn't have to. There are people all over the world that aren't Christian that, that, that feed the hungry. Um, there are people all over the world that do good things, but if they're not biblical, if our, if our, our doctrine is an ugly word, but doctrine is a good word, um, if our doctrine isn't right, if we don't have a relationship with God through his son Jesus that is biblical, then we don't need this book. Jesus died in, in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and the church is formed in Acts and everything after that is how the church should act and what the church should believe. And, and what we believe matters. And so we, we, want to have, uh, we, we want to have right thoughts and right actions, both. Uh, this is, this is the, we want to know what God wants us to be and do. Why are we doing this? Why be holy? And he says in, 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 uh, in, verse, in the second half of verse 9, Peter says um, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. We, we get to declare his praises. The story that I'm sure you've heard, Queen Victoria, go back before this century, um, Queen Victoria was, was taken to see Handel's Messiah, that wonderful that wonderful concert, and she was informed when when they get when they get there's a part in the in, in the concert when everybody will stand up the Alleluia chorus everybody stands up the queen does not stand up that's that that it, that that is when everybody else stands up the queen the queen does not that is tradition and when they got to the Alleluia chorus Queen Victoria stood up as well <laughs> um, and and whether she said this statement or whether somebody said it about her I don't know. Um, the queen stands for a higher authority. We recognize that, that praise, Queen Victoria got it, praise is our, our goal. Um, God made us with a purpose, and it is not to sit in a pew and hold it down and listen and then go home. You were made to praise him. I hope you like it. I hope you enjoy praise. I do, I do. I want you to enjoy praise. We're not all going to like the same music. And at the end of the day, let me be very clear, you're not the audience. God is the audience. I don't care if you like our songs. That sounds rude. I, that's not entirely true. But let me say, it's secondary to me. Primary is, does God enjoy us? D- does God enjoy what we're singing, what we're playing? Does God enjoy the spirit that we put into this? On a secondary level, I, I mean, I would like it if you liked our music, but we've got a lot of people in here. And, we're, and so some days we're going to do some songs, some days we're going to do other. I don't expect you to like every song that we do all the time because you're not the audience. And, and we're trying to minister to everybody, but everybody is trying to minister to God. We're praising him. Worship is, a, it, according to the book of Revelation, worship is in our future for eternity. If we're not, 
If we're not into worship and that ministry, then eternity may be very long and unpleasant. Worship is important. Um, we, 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 uh, we need to make sure that we, that we work on having that, that heart of worship that focuses on God. Um, God called us out of darkness and into light. That alone is reason to praise. Um, we, we are called to declare his praises. Um, and, and, and let me say, and I've, I've, I've argued with other preachers before, there is a radical difference between playing music or singing a song and praise. And that radical difference is in here. There is a radical difference between public speaking and actually preaching. Uh, I, 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 they're not the same thing. And, and, it's because of the, and it's because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is why communion, the Bible says, don't do it in an unworthy manner. It's not grape juice and bread. The Holy Spirit is involved. You can get people wet, but baptism is more than getting people wet. Everything that the church does is done with the Spirit, and if it isn't, then, yeah, there are actions that don't mean anything. You could bring somebody in here and forcibly get them wet, and they're not saved, because it's nothing magical about the water. It's the work of the Spirit. That's in praise, that's in preaching, that's in our, our biblical teaching, that's in communion, that's in all of this. It's the work of the Spirit in our lives that makes it. It's not the notes on the piano. It's not the notes that come out of our mouth. We are to be shown mercy. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Book of Hosea, God tells Hosea, marry a prostitute. It's a very, it's a very difficult book to get through. It's a very beautiful book if you can get to the underlying message that God says, Hosea, as your wife is cheating on you, now you know what it's like for me to try to bring Israel to me, and yet, though she's cheating on you, I, I want you to forgive her because I keep forgiving Israel. He names his kids lo Ruhama and Lo-Ami. Um, I'm not going to show mercy. <laughs> These are not my people. And yet God does show mercy, and God does make Israel his people and forgives them. These names were a curse to Israel, but Israel, Israel's separation from God is indicative of all of us. Uh, once we were not shown mercy, once we were slaves to sin, without Christ we were as good as dead, and, and then Jesus died for us. Now we are shown mercy and love, and now we are his people for the purpose of showing the rest of the world. Now, we live in a world that doesn't realize that it's lost. It doesn't realize that the things that it does are sinful. They don't realize that they need mercy and forgiveness. They're broken. In their hearts, they're broken. It's our, it's our job. It's our job to show the world what they're missing with love, show them what they're missing, the image that we are called to display, um, uh, it's our job to take the mercy that God has shown us and to show the world. We're called to be pure. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. We need to be pure. We need to be holy. We need to be set apart. Not so that we can show off. Not to pat ourselves on the back and say, look how much more perfect I am. Look at how much better I am than you. Uh, it's not even just to get people to come to church. In fact, that's not the number one reason. Um, that's not true purity. That's just for show. Uh, we are Christ-like. We need to be Christ-like because we need to be like Christ. We need to be pure when no one's watching. Purity is who we are, not what we do. Um, sin needs to be foreign to us. 
We must be pure for purity's sake. Not, not to impress others, not because others are watching. We need to be pure because God wants us to be pure. Uh, we, we need it. It's not that others need it. We need it. We need to be Christ-like. And the final thing that, that Peter says in verse 12, he says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. Now, having said that, when we are pure, people will notice. We will shine like a light to the world. It's not why we are pure because we need to be pure. But the good news is when we do that, it will come out. Integrity, of course, is being who you are all the time. People can spot a fake a mile away. Eventually, your true nature will slip through. Ages ago, um, I had a friend that really kind of let me down and betrayed me. Uh, and, and I remember a friend saying to me, I always saw this in him. The smile was always fake. You could always tell that this was coming. Now, I don't know that I'm always a great judge of character. Um, but this friend of mine said, I, I always saw that in the wings. I always thought that that was, that, that that was a person who was just going through the motions. Um, uh, fake and condescending. I believe that people can only hide who they are for a while. I think eventually the real us always comes out. So I want the real me to be a good person. I want the real me to be Christ-like. I don't want it to be fake and glued on for Sunday morning. I don't, I don't want to be something where I'm one thing in public and when I go, go home I can be the real me. I want the real me to be what people say. I want to, I want to be a good person Christ-like all the time. I don't want that to be fake. I don't, I don't want to be one thing on the inside and one thing on the out. I just want to be... Christ-like all the time. When we are real, others will and, and really Christian, others will see Jesus in us, and they will want what we have. They they will come to Him and they will praise Him. Our our purity will be contagious. But that's not again for sure. That's because the purity is real. The the holiness is real. When our when when. His Christ, when, when Christ becomes our Christ-like character, when people see who we are at heart and our heart is his, they will say that's a better way to live. And, that, and that, is, that is how God works in this world. Our hymn of decision today is hymn number 328. When Jesus returns, it, it's passing through, Peter says. This world is not, uh, it's not our home, and when Jesus comes back, it's to take us home. You know, I have, I have, a, I have a passport. I've, I've been to over a dozen countries. Uh, I, I have a friend that's been to over a hundred, so I'm a little jealous. Saying I've been to a dozen countries doesn't mean anything when one of my friends, Mark, has been to over a hundred. Um, I've been to over a dozen countries. My passport is, is kind of proof of that. It's proof of who I am. Uh, it shows where I was born, and, and it has a lot of my information. Um, we have a spiritual passport. We were born in this world, but our spiritual passport tells us where we are really citizens of. We are citizens of the next world, or at least that's what we're called to be. If you're not, if you're not a Christian, then you are not. There, there are only... you know. I quote him a lot, Augustine, there are two cities. There's only two cities. God's city, the pagan city. You're a citizen of one or the other. If you are not a Christian, you are not saved. And, and that's a problem. If you are ready to give 
God your allegiance and you haven't done that, I would like to talk with you. Or maybe you don't know what that means. Uh, or, or maybe that's in doubt. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 that when we are buried with him in baptism, we are raised to walk in a new life. Um, that when we are baptized with Christ, we are clothed with Christ. Uh, that's what we're called to be. I'd like to talk with you about that if you haven't had that conversation. Uh, the decision of what it means and what it looks like to become a Christian. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.